principal difficulty in this whole thought process is the thought about the self, you see, about the ego, whatever you want to call it. And the ego seems to be so important that we are ready to distort everything in order to protect it. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, uh, deceive ourselves and engage in violence and do all kinds of things. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> uh, so what is the ego? You see, I made a suggestion. There is a self-image that everybody has got. He's got an image of himself. There's the body image which is built into us that you get a feeling about the body, which is a kind of image. You see, if the arm, if people who have the arm cut off still feel often that it's there, you see. It's a kind of image. The body is projected by, the sense of the body is projected from the brain by a kind of image, right? Which helps guide you, right? Now, but beside that, the, uh, there's a kind of image you make of yourself. You might make a picture of yourself in, in the imagination, what you look like, and and gradually identify with that picture and you attribute various properties to it. You see, uh, according to what people say and so on, or what you would like. And you see, uh, you begin to feel that, that image is real. Now, see, let's look at a television set. Again, you've got an image there. You say, you may have an image of a telephone and then sound occurs and you may feel that it's coming from the telephone in the image, but it can't be, right? There's nothing there. But you still get the experience that it's coming from there. Hmm? But then nobody gets up to answer the phone, so you wonder if it's coherent or not. And if they still don't answer the phone, you say, it's not coherent, it might be your own phone. Right? You turn around and you say, yes, perhaps it's my own phone, you find it's there. Hmm? And you say, there it is in the other room. Suddenly you experience the telephone in this room, and you suddenly experience it in the next room. Hmm? So uh, the way you experience it is according to the way thought thinks. You see, the same as say whether a thought makes it so, right? <laughs> Whether it's good or bad. <laughs> now, uh, the, uh, after you experience your image according to the way you've been thinking about it, and you accept other people's thoughts, and anybody else's thought becomes your own thought, right? You may resist that thought and say, you know, he's an idiot, it's not right, but it's still there. And you're trying to protect your image from that thought, do you understand? If you accept that thought as true, your image is, you'll attribute it to your image and it's bad, and then you'll feel bad, right? Hmm? So, therefore you say, no, it's not true, he's an idiot, he doesn't know, and so on, but it's still there. You're still worried about it. You've got to defend yourself against that thought. Suppose he's right. <laughs> you won't accept that, right? <laughs> you see, you're not able to say, well, am I, you know, that's, the way is this really uh, logical and say, he says I'm an idiot. Is that, am I an idiot or am I not an idiot? <laughs> you see, uh, uh, but I mean, even that is silly because you say, to identify yourself with what somebody says is also idiotic, right? <laughs> Much more idiotic than anything else. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, now, <clears throat> so you have this self-image and you've got an image of other people, you attribute the qualities of your thought to them, right? You say they're good, they're my friend, the enemy, they're good, they're bad, they're this, they're that, and you feel it, that's it, right? You see them that way, you, it goes into your experience in the immediate. Now, the Im image enters the immediate, hmm? and you no longer see it's an image, and treat it as reality, and therefore to protect that image, since the source of that image is thought, you have got to control your thought to, con to protect the image, right? And you've got to be careful not to let thoughts in that will disturb the image, right? And therefore you go wrong. Hmm? Uh, now, that's self-deception. Uh, now, that's a sort of a, uh, the, the way it appears, it's a superficial view, but what really, why do we engage in this strange behavior? It, it is really crazy, idiotic, whatever you want to call it, stupid. <laughs> Any word you, it's very hard to find a word that's adequate to describe this. <laughs> <laughs> and yet it seems, you know, the whole human race is caught in it, right? And uh, we regard this as the most important thing in the whole of life and ready to do anything, destroy anything for it. Now, uh, see, one point is that literal thought has that possibility that we can project an image and just say, that's the way it is, right? That's the way I am. Hmm. You see, that it can get into that trouble, but we don't have to. You see, why do we do it? You, see? Hmm. Uh, you can see we get caught up in it. Once we do it, it's hard to see our way out of it because we can't tell what's real and what's not real anymore and so on. 
so uh, part of the problem is that this image has such great importance, right? A tremendous value, which gives it priority, that overrides everything. So if somebody comes in, or you yourself come in to say, I wonder if that means anything, it's just pushed aside, right? You know, it's blocked out, you know, it, you forget it, it's zapped, <laughs> whatever, right? It's anesthetized. Uh, you see, all these ways of protecting it violently, you see. Now, the, uh, uh, because you say, I must use all my force to protect that, you see. Now, that's the way the thought goes. Now, then, uh, but there's a, <clears throat> there are a few deeper questions still. You see, the nature of this image is the nature of the self. You say, there's me. You see, we distinguish yourself from uh, everything else. And that has a certain limited value. There's a boundary to the skin, at the skin, uh, up, up to a point it makes sense, and so on. And uh, the boundary is movable, like a blind man holding a stick. If he holds it tightly, he feels the ends at the stick, right? Uh, if he holds it loosely, he ends at his fingers. If you identify with your country, you end at the boundary of your country. When somebody crosses that boundary, it is you who are attacked. <laughs> you may put it inside and say, I'm somewhere inside here looking at my arm as if it were something else. <laughs> and it comes down to finally to a point that you can have no dimension, right, somewhere. <laughs> it might be here or here. When somebody asks, they point to themselves, they usually point here, right, the heart or the solar plexus. Sometimes they point here, you know. Uh, it could be anywhere, you know. You could say, that's me, right? You know, and then it's attributed, and that's how you experience it, right? That point that you f experience is clearly not there, right? That's a thought, right? <laughs> An image. You know? It's supported by muscular tension, because where, where, you, where that point is, you may even feel the muscles being tense, right? That gives it some sense of reality. <laughs> uh, the thought produces muscular tension, right? So... <clears throat> uh, uh, it, it produces emotions and so on, and uh, they uh, <coughs> felt. And uh, there are also intentions or impulses. Thought can produce these impels. You see, the impulse, then you can attribute to that point where you think you are, right? Is that clear? I have an impulse to act, right? I experience it as coming from the point where I think I am, <laughs> the center of me. Is that clear what I mean? That's all arranged by thought, right? Perhaps you could arrange it to come from way out there. You see, <laughs> it has been done. You see, some people, not only in dreams, but feel that they're out of the body looking. And uh, Richard Feynman, whom I knew, you see, he, he went into the, this uh, tank that uh, Lily had set up, you know, where everything was uniform temperature, nothing, no experience, no, uh, very quiet and so on. And he said, could he have an out-of-body experience, you see? So he stayed a long time trying it, and then suddenly he felt the center of his being had moved a little bit away from the center of his body. So he says, whatever I did, I'll do a bit more of it, and it moved a little further. You see, it was implicit, right? It was tacit. Then he got it to move way out there, so he was looking at his body. Uh, far away. And people... Perhaps it didn't, uh, didn't look very important, you see, the pain in there didn't matter so much, right? Hmm. Uh, but obviously, if we experienced the body as far away like that, we wouldn't protect it very well and we wouldn't survive, right? <laughs> so we have developed so as to experience ourselves as being somewhere in the middle right, of the body. <clears throat> now, but it's all arranged by thought. Thought can arrange it to be anywhere, you see. Uh, now, the... Uh, uh, so there's the notion, the center of myself, but what is the self? And the word self means fundamentally what, what is quintessential. As the essence is, you know what the essence is, we <laughs> said. The quintessence, is, well, in the Middle Ages, it was called the fifth essence. There were four essences. They added a fifth, which was really more essential still. <laughs> in other words, it was the, real, the essence of the whole essence. <laughs> uh, so the... Uh, uh, the self, the thing itself, you see, the quintessence, right? So the self is the, the essence, the, the true being, you know. But still, where is it? You see, you never find it if you look for it, right? That point moves around, it's obviously arranged by thought. And you can't find it. Now, but it seems nevertheless very real, you know, because it produces all sorts of results that look as if, make it look real. It can get hurt, it can get angry, it can think. It said, we attribute everything to the self. We say, I think, I get hurt, uh, 
I do this, I do that, I choose, right? And we experience it that way. So we say there's the self. Now, uh, now there are three words, you see, which we all know. It's me, myself, and I, right? <laughs> they all mean the self, right? They all mean the same thing, basically. Me refers to the self as object, right? Me is the self to which everything happens, right? It happens to me. Myself is sort of the, uh, the self, you know. Well, I is the subject. I is the one who makes it happen, right? <laughs> I is the one who thinks, who does, who chooses, who uh, perceives, you know, who, uh, everything, right? I is the source, the one who decides everything, determines everything. And me is supposed to be the same as I, right? <laughs> According to that definition. The concept of self, myself, is the union of I and me, right? I and me are the same, right? <laughs> That's what myself means, huh? Mm -hmm. that my, the object is the same as the subject. And you know, if we could stick to that, we wouldn't be in trouble. You see, it might not be interesting, but we wouldn't be in trouble. Right? Mm -hmm. See, nobody wants to be treated as an object, right? He says, you treated me as an object. That You hurt me, right? You pushed me around. You manipulated me. Mm -hmm. Objects should be pushed around and manipulated, right? To me as an object, why shouldn't it be like any other object? <laughs> In fact, society treats everybody as an object, right? It says, you've got a job, you've got to do this, you belong here. <laughs> right? You're an object, right? The law says you're that sort of object. And, uh, the, uh, and yet, it says you're a subject, right? Who chooses, who's responsible, and so on. <laughs> you see, so uh, the... Uh, now, is it possible to have... A, this union of subject and object to make a real concept of me, myself. Right? You see, that uh, there is a difficulty there because me has got to be limited, right, if it's an object. Everybody says, I'm limited, right? Hmm, you're, you're limited, that's more likely to say. <laughs> they tell the child, you know, you're not the great I am, you're limited, right? You, you think you're great, but you're not. You see, society is always telling you that, right? And then other people, people, however, say, I'm the greatest, I'm wonderful, they would like to say that, and some people do. <laughs> they get a great feeling out of it. So why, why all this, you see? Uh, the, uh, why is it so important, right? So uh, the uh, thing is that I, the concept of I, has implicit the notion of the unlimited. This is the thing to notice. You see, uh, this comes out, and I've said this several times before, in the story of Moses and the burning the voice in the burning bush that he confronted. And uh, you see, uh, 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 so he, uh, one of the things that Moses asked this voice was, who shall I say sent me, uh, uh, sent me, you see, unto the tribes of Israel. The voice says, you shall say, quote, I am sent you. <laughs> Indicating that the voice thought I am was its name, right? <laughs> right? Now it seems a very strange name <laughs> to have. <laughs> but uh, the, uh, but you can see it's, the, it's a very good name of, uh, for the voice of God, right? Because I am by itself, if you don't, if you say I'm, I am me, I am this, I am that, I am that, it's limited. But I am by itself suggests something unlimited, right? That feel of I am, and you don't add anything to it, suggests really I am, you're the great, I am the great I am, right? That's exactly what God said, I am that I am. <laughs> that was his name, too. that was his more extended name, right? His first name was I am, and his second name was I am. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, uh, the, uh, so the word I am conveys the meaning of God, you see. That's the meaning of that episode, right? I think you see it really does. Somebody, why would somebody say I'm the greatest, I'm the king of kings, I'm greater than all the others, or I want to be, or... You know, it would be great if I were, and so on, right? I, unfortunately, I'm only a little me, but I would like to be the great I am, right? <laughs> uh, now, uh, there's a contradiction there, right? It's incoherent. You see, there's a tremendous force in that meaning to expand, to become, uh, you know, what do they call it? Uh, uh, this, no, the delusion of, of greatness. Huh? Grandeur? Yeah, delusions of grandeur, you know, well, I can't remember the word, but uh, the, uh, uh, why should they be so prevalent? Why is it that they're a danger? You see, why is it important? 
whether you're great or not, right? <laughs> uh, you know, it's not clear, right? I mean, why should it be so important? You see, uh, uh, it does seem that it's important. Now, uh, people feel that way. A lot of people do, and, and probably underneath everybody does that. See, people, children, society has to systematically say, you're just little you, you know. Don't imagine you're so great, huh? <laughs> Uh, it tries to keep people down, huh? uh, but at the same time, it keeps on saying you ought to be great, you ought to do great things, you should aim for great things and make yourself great. Huh? Yeah. See, so uh, it creates this conflict, you know, this incoherence, and uh, it's one of the main impulses, main motive forces of all action, right? The impulse to expand, to become uh, great, right? To do something great, to uh, get a great reputation. Uh, See, if somebody thinks of you as great, you could think of yourself as great, right? <laughs> then you could say, this point inside is very great, you see? And that seems to produce a very great feeling, no? Uh, and uh, uh, so, so why is all that? You see, uh, uh, for example, it's said that people make money, you know, they want to buy things, they need things and so on, they enjoy them, but they make a lot more, they want to make a lot more money than that. And, one reason is they want to feel self-esteem. You see, they want to feel great, right? They want to feel that everybody knows they can make money and can spend it, and therefore they're good people, right? They're powerful, great people, and, and, and so on, you see. So th that is one of the motivating forces of the whole society, right? Or, uh, if not that, then to become famous or to do this or that, right? So uh, the, uh, 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 and you can see that there's something in the meaning of the notion of I am which leads to that, you see. It implies that. Uh, that the very attempt to define the self, you could say the only, if there is a self, the only true self might be the unlimited, right? <laughs> you see, because the self should be the quintessence, <laughs> and that would be another word for the unlimited. <clears throat> now, uh, therefore there's an inherent tendency to make the self like that, and also society always saying you're limited, right? Now, you say it yourself, otherwise you'll get in trouble, right? Now, the, uh, uh, so, uh, now there have been other notions of the self, you know, uh, instead of saying I am defined by me, there's been an ancient notion saying I am unknown, right? I, what I am, but it's constantly being revealed, right? <laughs> unfolding. You see, that's another notion you could think of, uh, which would even allow you to say, I'm, I'm a manifestation of the unlimited, right? Uh, now, see, in some sense, perhaps we ought to be able to say we're the unlimited, you see. It's really wrong to say we're limited objects, but we're confused about it. See, it's incoherent. We cannot manage to deny that we're limited without creating a terrible problem, right? Uh, because then how are you going to keep people down, right? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, become megalomaniacs, that was the word, right? <laughs> so, we don't, we don't make the connection that unlimited is the same as nobody. Yeah, but that's another view. You see, that if we look deeper, we say the unlimited is no thing, right? Because everything is limited, right? The unlimited cannot be a thing, right? It's that for no thing, right? <clears throat> Now, but nothing we say is vacuous, we have, it's pejorative, it's, uh, it's bad to say it's nothing. You've got to say you're nothing is very bad. <coughs> there have got to be something, right? So uh, that's a drive. It's an impulse. Well, a depressed person might say I'm rotten or I'm evil or I'm well, the object of a curse or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that comes from the other, just going to the other side. You see, saying I lost hope of being something, so I'll really go the other way, right? You see that uh, it's still the same sort of thought. You know, he really feels though I am nothing, I still ought to be something, right? <laughs> that makes it worse. Huh? Uh, he he doesn't say I'm nothing, and that's that's it, right? But then a psychiatrist might say, well, this person needs self-esteem. Well, on a certain level, yes, but more deeply, we're not discussing that individual, but the fact that the whole society is crazy. You see. So, and self-esteem, I don't know if that's what will cure the society, you see, the, the, uh, 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 there's something wrong with this whole culture, right? Which includes the psychiatrist, because he has his problems of self-esteem too, right? I mean, <laughs> so uh, the, uh, 
I mean, he's been told that he's nothing also, right? And he ought to be something. And anyway, he feels that way anyway, that he ought to be something, and he ought to be great, and so on, perhaps. So, the, uh, uh, therefore, uh, though that psychiatrist may, in a certain limited area, help that person, but uh, we're discussing a much broader context, because this whole, it won't, you know, we may say some people will be helped, but we're still moving toward the cliff, <laughs> jumping, you know, which, which will jump off duly in a certain period of time, like the lemmings, right? <clears throat> so, the, uh, uh, now, uh, the, uh, so, let's see, what can we say about this self? You see, now, I think there's a, several questions. The self, the connection between thought. One of the things is that we have said, thought has said, that there is the self, right? Which is the thinker, the source of thought. Thought has said, what is producing me, right? I'm produced by this being called me. The source of thought is me, right? Or I. And now, but suppose it turns out that thought is producing the impression that there is a thinker, an image, right? Like the telephone in the tele television set, eh? which isn't there. <coughs> it would be quite possible that thought is producing the impression that it is created by a thinker, when in fact, as we we're saying, it's just going on <laughs> as a process. Now, thought is always looking at, see, once it does that, it attributes authority to itself because as the thinker is also the observer, the one who sees, knows, right? And, it might, and the truth and so on. It, see, thought builds up authority, right? Or if not saying, I know it, then somebody else knows it. It's similar. Out there is somebody who knows, right? So, uh, therefore, uh, thought can uh, then get, get a certain amount of energy out of that and to a certain extent, the image of the self is needed to say each person has his own interests, his own particular background, and his own needs, and so on, which it can be directed by that kind of thought. Now, the difficulty is that that thought takes over. You know, it gets first priority. And that's because of this I am story, right? That this image immediately gets treated as the great I am, right? God. Everything takes second priority, you see. And then, and then it says, no, you're not. You're, the society takes first priority, but then it's we, right? And you see, it's the same thing. You see, us against them. And there was a word in English that was common in the 17th or 18th century called wegotism. <laughs> uh, so we could say there's the ego and the wego. <laughs> uh, and the... Uh, it's the same thing, you see. So, uh, 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 you get exactly the same problem with us as with I, right? With we and I. So, the... Uh, uh, now, uh, see, uh, the, the fact that thought thinks it is produced by a thinker is one of the reasons why it is so hard to see through this. You see, it, it, it does not see its process. I was saying thought being proprioceptive wouldn't do this, right? <clears throat> But the notion, which is literal thought, that thought is produced by a thinker, creates that impression, right? And now, uh, you see, so let's say a thought suddenly comes, right? It might be there's no sense of a thinker. And then, if there's a problem, something on, in that thought, there may arise the notion that it has to, you see, see yes. Uh, whenever there's a problem, you say, in the body, you see, you can just make this distinction between me and the table, which we hold to, right? It will work. Huh? So we say, if there's something wrong with the table, I distinguish myself from the table, it's clear that I'm thinking about that and doing something with it, right? In order to do something with it, I must first think that way. Hmm? Mm -hmm. Separating myself from it in thought, huh? making that map, and using that map, and feeling myself, even perceiving it that way. But now, we then, it seems natural to extend it. <clears throat> thought comes in, thought appears, and then it may have something about it that's wrong or unpleasant, and say, okay, what should we do with it, right? So thought says, there it is. Um, I must draw back from it and look at it, right? So we set up a point that draws back and, and looks. <laughs> it isn't doing anything, but that's the way it looks, right? Any more than a telephone bell is ringing in the television set. So the... Uh, uh, 
<laughs> uh, so we say there is a looker and what is looked at, right? That division is created by thought, right? Now then, that justifies the argument that I'm going to try to do something about it. So thought now tries to think some more thoughts that will change it. You see, we saw all the trouble that gets into, right? And it's confused. And so uh, you have the thinker and the thought. Similarly, the observer and the observed, that image comes up. The experiencer and the experience, or various other things of that nature. Finally, uh, you could say consciousness and its content, you see. Uh, we say we are conscious and what we are conscious of are distinguished, but they cannot be, right? So, the, uh, 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 and that's all one general form, you see. Now, uh, Krishnamurti has emphasized this much more, I think, than any other pe people who have gone on these lines. And he has said that the observer is the observed, the thinker is the thought. Our whole thought is that it's not so, right? Now. See, uh, in the first instance, we experience that there is a thought in there, and there's a felt, and so on. And I am looking at it, stepping, standing back from it, looking at it, and trying to change it right? <laughs> to a better form, as I might outside. <clears throat> then, but that cannot work, right? You see. Uh, because there is no real division, it's all thought, right? That division that is being assumed is not there any more than the national division is really there. <laughs> it's even less than the national division, right? <clears throat> uh, because it's an extremely tight connection. You see that there, what we call the thinker and what we call the thought are just two, I mean, images which might refer to the same thing, you see. But the, uh, uh, now, so, see, let's take as an example the thought behind anger or violence or various things. You see, if you are angry, then you have the thought, I'm justified in being angry because of so-and-so-and-so-and-so, you see. So, you now could say, there is my anger, I've got to get rid of it, control it, change it, and so on. You see, that, that's justified by this image, right? Now, if you question that, you'll find it hard because it looks as if that's the way it is, you see. But, you can begin to see, if you repeat the thought that's behind it, as the way I suggested, that the thought is somehow producing that whole situation. Right? And the situation is producing the impulse to keep on thinking. You see? So you see it's really all connected, though it looks all separate. And uh, so you can say the same with violence. You could say the typical thought behind violence is force, this is a situation where force is needed, right? right? And so, you might see your violence. You see, I get violent felts, feelings, which I say are different from me who is looking and thinking. And, but suppose I have gone into all this and I begin to say, I am that violence. Sir. Because I am is that violence. Right? But whatever I have meant by I am at this moment is that violence. Sir. It's controlled by it, everything, you know, it's a major factor. Uh, now, at the same, that not only means those felts are violence, but also the thought that this is a situation calling for force is, I am that thought. That's a little harder, right? Because we are very conditioned to believe that we have produced that thought and it is serving us and telling us the way things are, right? Hmm? But that thought is making us violent, right? At that moment, we are that thought. We are, at, I'm only saying at that moment, right? In another moment, we are something else, right? Yeah. You see, so we are that thought, we are that felt, right? But now, if no, but mind moves away all the time, and doesn't want to do that because there is the feeling, there is the notion behind that the self, whatever I am, must be continued and defended. I must uh, continue, right? We, somebody mentioned that you mentioned it. Then I must keep on going, <laughs> right? So. Uh, uh, therefore, there's a defense, you see, uh, by moving away, by obscuring the issue, by becoming uh, forgetful and dull and so on. Uh, and, uh, but if you are serious and stay with it, then it might be you could see this whole structure collapsing like a house of cards, and you could see that there is this thought that I think that violence, that force is justified. 
Right? And you could say, well, without all that pressure, I can look at that thought, and I say, no, it isn't. <laughs> you see, with all that going up or going on, I can't see it. <laughs> Okay. Right. I don't, I don't want to discuss this for a while now. When you, you, you say that you are the thought, and, and I guess you need to hold to that and not let it slip away. Mm. It? Yes. Because you would tend to want to get away from yeah, you don't want to think that, you see, if you don't want to accept it, because it, it begins to make you feel very uncomfortable what you are, right? Then I am whatever I'm doing, is that right? Well, I am what I think, I am what I feel, I am what I do. I am violence, I am... Yeah, but you see, the violence originates in the thought that force is justified. And that will produce the appropriate feelings you know, and that will help hold the thought, right? You see, that the sustaining of violence depends on a thought, right? <laughs> Which is that force is justified. You see, in some cases it's true, right? You need force to move this table, a certain amount of force, right? <laughs> but is it true about thought? You see, if, if the problem is somebody thinks in a certain way, and you you feel, I, I have, I've tried to talk to him, I've tried this, I've tried that, he doesn't listen to me. I'd better be more force, I'd better use some force, right? <laughs> yeah, this, I don't know, this might be offline, but it almost seems to me violence depends entirely on having objects. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's true. There will be no sense to violence. A, a force can only be applied to an object, right? <laughs> We must think that per we have decided to treat that person as an object. You see, this happens between various groups like Arabs and Jews. They, they say A and B, let's call them. A tries this, he tries this, he tries this, and it doesn't work. They won't listen. Finally, he says B only understands force. <laughs> Obviously, nobody understands force. There's nothing to understand about it. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the only thing you can do is to convince him that you're stronger than he is, right? And therefore, he will do what you want as long as... He he is convinced that you are stronger. But he will be thinking all the time how to get at you, right? At your weaknesses. David, you were talking before about how you could set up an observer who tried to look at himself, but you're always one step behind trying to catch your tail in effect by doing that. I think, though, that unconsciously, that's what I see myself doing all the time. There is a thought, and then after the thought has flashed at some subliminal level, an aspect of the brain repeats it. Even when I'm starting a sentence like this, somehow, as the words are cranking themselves out, when I started the sentence, I had some idea of where I was going to wind up. So there was some deeper schematic or uh, image type of thought, which then this conscious level of the brain is verbalizing. And that sort of process I, I find in myself going on all the time, there's always that verbal layer of chatter, which is in effect repeating or explaining mm -hmm. to itself the thoughts which are there. Yeah, well that's a kind of impulse to analysis or something. Right? I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think particularly analysis well. because I think I impute that to other people that they're doing the same thing, that they're yeah. talking to themselves all the time. Yeah, but I meant that that sort of process, uh, you said explaining, it's attempting to analyze what's going on, it seems to me, and give an explanation of it, right? See, that's one way of dealing with actual objects, is to find, uh, to understand, to analyze their structure, whatever, and, and uh, get to understand it, and then... Uh, find you, order. You can find order, and then you know what to do, right? Right, but I think that that's... That, that's an automatic movement, and that's part of the aspect of this feeling of a separate observer. Yeah, well, that's part, but there's a thought behind it, yes, in a, and an impulse behind it, right? Mm -hmm. so I would say the thought behind it is uh, analysis. Uh, it's always possible to analyze this thought process, because this thought process is, like an, is going on, and I'm observing it. Right? It's different from me. 
say that. That gentleman was speaking just now. He was watching what he was saying, and I think we were all following along. And he, he made the statement as I am speaking, and we were watching it happen. And the words come out in a linear sense. Yeah. But it seems that what's driving it is already there, or else there couldn't be a coherent sentence that could be formed in a linear sense. It would almost have to be a non-linear driving thing that already knows what's going to be said. Well, there, it's well known that uh, uh, when you're going to say something that it's been demonstrated, people who study the brain, that there are electrical currents in the brain which contain at least some of what you're going to say, right? <laughs> in a nonlinear form? Yeah, in some way, I don't know, you see. I'm just saying, this, this may give a little bit of a feeling for what we're talking about in terms of the apparent thinker mm -hmm. who is separate from the thought, because this thinker or verbal process or top layer of the brain is continually talking to itself and repeating the thoughts which have occurred on a less verbal level. Yes, it, it, that's always going on, you see, but then there, behind it, I suggest, there are some assumptions which would justify it or make it seem necessary or right to have it go on. Right, which gets into what that gentleman was talking about yeah. in terms of continuity and... Yeah. And also the attempt to grasp it, one, one, one way is to the attempt to grasp it by analysis, right? Mm -hmm. You're trying constantly to analyze what's going on by another layer of thought. That's one. Hmm? But then you don't notice that's the same layer that it's trying to analyze. You see. But are you saying that in an intellectual context such as, I mean, this, this is not a typical group mm -hmm. of 50 people gathered at random from the face of the planet. And I think more or less in anyone whom you would get on the street if you would talk with them, that this process would be going on in his head as well. Oh yeah, this is a general human process. Because it's part of the process of thought that, you see, the thought says whenever there's a problem, one way of approaching it is to try to explain the problem, what's going on, and analyze it, and then know what to do, right? But beyond that, whenever there's a thought, I, in effect, repeat the thought. And that, I think, is perhaps part of the creation of that feeling of a separate observer. Do you repeat exactly the same thought? You, re you repeat it at a verbal level, yes, basically. Well, you put, yeah, but it would be only natural to put, if, if it were an external problem, there would be nothing wrong with putting it verbally. You see, if you have a problem, and I say, I see a problem, I'll state it, you see, I, I, make, I may make it more sharp, right? But whether it's a problem or not, it's as if the thought is there in front yeah. of you, and then you read it, and you know, you're, you're repeating the thoughts. Yeah. But so the thoughts then, from having been there, separate from the observer. You may be repeating it, but say, why are you repeating it? <laughs> I think he's just describing yeah. what actually may appear as a division between the, the yeah. thinker and the thought, because we do have these two levels going, and so yeah. we make that error. And I think he's just describing, making a picture of the error and how we see it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the error is in seeing the repetition as different from the thing it repeats, right? Mm -hmm. hmm? Well, I, I think there's that, that's basically one thought manifesting in words as well as in yeah. as implicit. And I think that below that we can see, we can actually see the impulse of the two rising, but it appears split. And so we seem to think there's a person who's getting, having this verbal mm -hmm. thought. Yes, because there's an assumption uh, somewhere that it is split, right? Right, there's the assumption that these thoughts belong to that person or that entity or that point or whatever it is that is verbalizing them and repeating them in effect. Yeah, see, so there's a whole series of assumptions laid down in the program which operate, right? Right. And see, I think we can so go into those up to a point that's useful as we're doing. And, but finally, we can see that this way we'll not actually get it. Even seeing Again, that I'm, won't I'm not, get it. I'm not describing yeah. this as a technique, I'm saying this is yeah. a problem. Yeah, yeah, but it isn't even a problem, you see. Uh, scratch the word, this is, this is the situation. Yeah, is it the situation, you see? <laughs> uh, that's the way, 
It's the way it appears. It is our common experience that there is a repetition of thoughts at a verbal Yes, it is the common appearance. It is the com but that's the way it appears, in it, right? I think that's the way it appears. Yes, yes that's all I'm saying. But the appearances are not always correct appearances. Well, it's truly. I mean, there's a deception which is engendered by this. Yeah. Yes, that's the point. Deception has a certain reality. I mean, it's a real deception in that you were saying yeah. before that the limited, the ground of the limited is the unlimited. Yeah. The ground of this deception is the unlimited too. But and in that, it, it is actual. It's an actual deception that is happening, and it's. An yeah, yes, but you see, I understand. You see. The difficulty with what you're saying is, I see that it's a deception, but I can't stop stop it. You see, I'm saying that that does not make sense to me as a coherent. I understand what you're saying, but it is not actually a statement that makes sense. It's a statement which makes verbal sense, but as we've said that in, in past discussion, there needs perhaps to be some deeper perception or intuition yeah. or insight. That's true, yes. Uh, but I'm trying to say it's important to focus on this point, that the statement itself, that I see a deception but it continues, it doesn't make sense. You see, I'm saying, uh, if, if it's a deception, then I should no longer have anything to do with it, right? You see it as a deception. What? So you don't really see it? Yeah, something about it that I don't see. Right. Well, isn't there a previous deception that there's this eye that sees? That's part, that's it. I say there is no, if I say it is I who see it, that's already part of the deception, right? I'm not different from the deception that I see. So could you then go ahead and say I am the deception that I see as a next step? <laughs> you see, now the mind tends to resist that because it wants to say, though a lot of bad things are going on in me, somewhere there is a pure, clear core, right? Mm -hmm. Which is me or I, right? And I am struggling with all this stuff, right? Right? That's the picture, right? the assumption. Isn't there an experiential aspect of this in that where the thing becomes real isn't a feeling which accompanies this thought and this analysis? Yeah, but it's no more real than the telephone in the television set. Right. But if we leave that out, if we leave out the experiential aspect of it and focus on the, the thinking aspect of it, it can't move. Whereas if we move into the experiential aspect of it, the words start to come apart. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, you have to see together the, um, the, the feeling, the muscles, and the thought, right? The, the, see, because it's the connection of those. That's the proprioception. You see that the thought is producing that whole story, you see, or at least is sustaining it, right? That, as in the case of violence, the thought that force is justified is what keeps it all going, and then all that keeps the thought going. Now, uh, but uh, the, the, the point, though, however, is that you're still, when you're analyzing it that way, you're still stepping back and saying that's what's going on, you see. Wouldn't that though, point towards something other than uh, claiming that uh, the self is a deceptive uh, process? Couldn't we say that? Uh, uh, thought uh, quite inherently in its movement is self-referential, which then appears as a virtual I. No matter which way thought moves, it, mm -hmm. it, it needs a center to pivot around, uh, as if it's a nonlinear thing to bend around something, and that appears as a virtual self, it no matter what we do. It may be, but you know, there may be a proprioceptive thought which sees what is happening. You see, we add to that that we also lose track of the fact that this is happening and don't call it a virtual eye, but a real eye. Well, but in that case, we, we should find some content, which is the eye. And we said, no matter how we recede yeah. back and look for it, it remains virtual. Yes, but uh, we, uh, we don't, not satisfied to say it's virtual. You see, we, we say it's real. That's the way right, the right, right. Whether it's for, Whether it's there or not, if, you see, uh, the difficulty, see, the, the, the point, the crucial point is to say, I am this that I see or think, we see. And the same is true outwardly when, when Krishnamurti says, I am the world, meaning the world of society. See, all the thought of society is the essential point about society. Now, when that thought comes into me, it is me, right? Mm -hmm. And I say, no, it's not me, it's them, right? But that's just a confusion. Now, therefore, 
uh, it's important finally, after you understand how it all works, to say that I am the society that I criticize, right? You see, that now that at this moment that is what I am. Right? Now, the, uh, 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 it's the same question that, that we establish a division where there is none, you see. Uh, now, uh, uh, it, by seeing that, it become, this thing may collapse to the point where it becomes possible for the thought to be proprioceptive and see what it's really doing, right? Uh, in this level, you know, in this uh, tacit level. Not that it becomes uh, in some way linear and uh, selfless or without self-reference, but the proprioceptivity could mean that it sees it, its own generating virtual eyes as it moves along. Yeah, but then it would see that it's not very important. That's right. That's you right. See, but then it would just be an image going on, you see, that, which is a possibly useful image. Possibly useful in some right. cases and so on, you see. Uh, now, uh, the, uh, uh, but I think that, you see, it's necessary to uh, stay with this uh, you know, with very seriously, with full intensity. You see, we can't just do it. I mean, we may not be able to really uh, get to the bottom of it just right here, but uh, this is something... See, in the dialogue, I think that you may, if you confront an emotional charge blowing up in this way, if everybody does it, then you may get a real change in the whole structure of the collective mind, right? It becomes proprioceptive. Uh, so... Uh, uh, but uh, I don't think uh, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm really saying now. I don't think there's time really for us to, you know, to uh, explore this really very deeply. Uh, but it's one of the key points to to end this division, so that uh, uh, then the question of the unlimited. You see, this false unlimited, which is the I, goes. Hmm? See, one reason we don't contact the unlimited, we would say, is we think we already have, namely, it's me, right? It's I. <laughs> There's no need to do it. Why, why bother? <laughs> I'm, I'm God, right? And in some sense, uh, people have said that's true if you could only see it in the right sense. <laughs> so, uh, and the other way to see it is it makes you insane, right? <laughs> so, the, uh, uh, the point is, there's a false... that. The notion that that this image is the unlimited gets in the way. It means it's really not quite impossible, if not, uh, to uh, to see anything else that's unlimited. I mean, even Jehovah said there's no only one. <laughs> there's no two of them, <laughs> and the uh, 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 therefore, uh, uh, see, in some sense, the thought process is thinking uh, this already is the unlimited. And in some sense, when, what what are you asking for? You see. <laughs> So, uh, uh, if this stops, then maybe there will be a, a natural movement in which the unlimited can, in which this all can participate in the unlimited, right? You see, that this is what I'm suggesting, that this, that the barrier is in this notion of I am. You see, that it doesn't mean that it's all wrong, it doesn't mean that the, the self, the human being, has nothing to do with the unlimited and so on, but it's a very, it has got very confused and incoherent, huh? this whole question. And so we can't just throw it out. You see, if somebody says, forget about religion, it doesn't go. You see, the communists said, forget about religion, but they began to worship the state, worship Stalin. They couldn't stop it, you see. It's built in. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, uh, the, we have to confront, face this question, you see. Uh, now, uh, the, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, now, I think this question is tied up to the question of time, you see. I thought I'd say a little bit about that and then finish, you know, the, uh, the, um, uh, because thought is very closely tied up to the question of time. You see, now, time is another set of paradoxes, right? You see, because we, we say the past is gone, you see, and the future has not arrived yet. Now, we very often represent time as a line and say, here we are at this point on the line in time, right? <laughs> We're representing time by space, right? Now, that's thought. Now, do we ever experience time directly? You see, I, I question that. You see, now, we, ex we experience successive movement and process, but not time, right? Now, the, uh, but then thought can, as, uh, 
thought becomes immediate and you get a sense of the experience of time nevertheless, right? See, but there's a paradox because the past is gone, the future is not yet, you're here at this point, but this point divides what doesn't exist from what doesn't exist, so how could it be? You see, that, that view of time somehow must be inadequate. That, time, that line is a representation of time, it is not whatever you would mean by time. Now then we have also the view, now here is the now, right? The past, there's the past and the future at each moment. And we can say, we don't predict the future. In the future, every moment has a past and a future, right? When the future comes, the future, we will, this moment will be its past. And the most we could predict is not the future, but the past that the future is going to have, right? Because you see, the present, we don't know, right? The actual immediate present. It, all that we know is from the past, right? It may be a fraction of a second behind, but it's there. We only know what has been. It's been proved, you see, you're only conscious of things that have happened, right? It may be a fraction of a second ago or a long time ago. And you see, the past is present, right? The past is now in the form of a record. The tape presents the past, that's its content, but the tape is right here. Uh, now, the past is part of the present. The past is part of the immediate, the now. It's thought, right? It's the knowledge and thought memory which hold the past. <clears throat> that responds and produces some sensation which fuses with the perception and everything else, the sense of what is here, present, now. So each moment now is so what is actually happening now is only now, right? <laughs> the sense of the past is present now. <clears throat> the sense of the future is present now. It's the sense of movement is present now, you see, of becoming and so on. Now, <clears throat> the, uh, uh, but we, that's a complete mystery how this ever passes away and becomes the next moment. <clears throat> you see, so the, uh, 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 now, but you can see that it's thought. You see that thought, first of all, contains time as its content. Right? It contains the past and the future. It contains the projected future, the end, which we project, and the impulse to realize that end, which drives us. So that time becomes our driving force. Right? Mm -hmm. hmm? Now, then, <clears throat> at the same, but also, <clears throat> thought is a movement which takes time. Right? Mm -hmm. It moves, I think, in these subtle levels, but it's moving, you see. Uh, and the, uh, uh, so thought is, is like any other process to which we attribute time. <clears throat> but thought tends to take itself as giving truth and so on, as if it had nothing to do with time, you see. You see, but if it takes time, then it's incomplete. You see, it never, it, it's an abstraction, it always has some knowledge from the past. It does not tell you even what's now, much less the future. You see, it will tell you some probability for the future, which is often wrong. Hmm? So the uh, 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 now uh, the uh, see so see so you could look at it differently and say, what do we mean by the immediate? Hmm? Without the mediation of thought, <laughs> without the past, you see. Uh, uh, you could say that what is the difference of this moment from any other? In certain key ways it's very similar. This moment is similar to any other one because this moment is a past and a future and so do all the others. Right? Hmm? They're all moving from the past to the future. <coughs> it's different in the particular content. Hmm? That content is defined by the memory, by thought, right? the response to memory. <coughs> The more detailed you put the content, the more you must be conscious of time. <laughs> then, suppose you abstract from that and make it more and more, less and less detailed content, more and more general, then the difference of moments becomes less and less. <laughs> so you could suppose, there's no, if you abstract it from it all, moments would not be different. <laughs> you see, that is the, the basis in the, the subtle tacit, uh, uh, um, undefinable basis of reality is one, right? It's somehow manifesting in time, moments, right? 
which are defined by our thought. You see, so time is unfolding, as it were, from that. You see, so the uh, uh, now you could say then that the most concrete thing that we can possibly contact is now, right? That subtle process which is going on now. <laughs> Anything else is something else. It might be somewhere else, some other time, some other place. It's abstract, right? Mm -hmm. If we talk about it. <clears throat> so, uh, therefore, the, the now is the most concrete. And in that sense, if we get to that level, then we could say that the importance of time in, in that context is not so great. And it's not that we don't use time or that we couldn't come back to it or anything, but that uh, the importance of time is less that uh, uh, when we come to this ground, time is not a fundamental thing. Right? That's what I'm suggesting. Now, that, that suggests that attention does not have to, if we have the assumption everything happens in time, then this, cannot, this will not work. Right? We will see it all happening in time. So, uh, we have to question that. So, if we could be free of that, I'm just suggesting uh, attention need not go into this process of movement of thought. Right? See, we experience time through attention being caught up in the movement of thought as the whole thing. Hmm? But if we said thought is not the whole thing, we've said that, we said there's the unlimited. The unlimited cannot be limited by being forced to act in a certain order in time. <laughs> uh, so, uh, therefore, th this is a question, we're just raising it now, but it will be tied up with the self, you see, because the notion that there is a self is thought, and it's the self is happening in time according to that thought, right? It's got a past and a future, and it's moving toward the future and trying to do something, and so on. And therefore, I suggest that if we really see that the thinker is the thought or the observer is the observed, then you have cut undercut the basis of experiencing time as basic. Hmm. Uh, now, that is essentially one of the features of the contact with the unlimited, right? We've said all this rather fast. I mean, it's because there isn't much time. <laughs> we need time to say it, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, there, there are two kinds of time I should mention. You see, chrono, the Greek language has two words for time. Chronos, meaning time is measured, and kairos, meaning the time is right, right? For something. <laughs> you see, and uh, we must consider both notions of time. You see, this second notion is much less connected with the kind of time on a line and so on. <clears throat> and uh, the, uh, uh, now, so let's come, <coughs> come back and say that uh, the unlimited is the now, right? The same way as to say that the person I see is the person I hear. You see, Whatever I mean by the unlimited is what I contact now, right? In the true now, in the sense of immediate, right? Which means timeless. It doesn't mean that it's a sharp point, but really where attention is not focused in time, right? Hmm? So what's all the fuss about? What? <laughs> yeah. What kind of fuss? We've been fussing for two and a half days. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's because we have to work it through, you see, to, to find out the map and so on. You see, we have got entangled in a vast range of thoughts, which are very subtle. Mm. Very much related to <coughs> this and refers back to the self is a third a Greek word, which is ekstasos. Mm. Time is ecstasy. They say, in a sense, the word uh, means, the Greek word means, to step out from oneself. Mm -hmm. And it's a very nice expression to it, uh, as if the uh, infinite steps out from itself 
uh, in time to come back to itself. It is a uh, virtual opening in closing, and that is the next Tassi. Well, I think that uh, you know they, we're approaching the end. <laughs> I hope the time is ripe. <laughs> 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 uh, the uh, uh, I see that th- th- this has been a sort of a going through this process to perhaps arrive at some, to have some insight. Uh, but what's required is to actually uh, to keep at it. You see, to sustain the work to keep looking at these things, you know, to uh, both individually and collectively. And uh, now I think that if, if the human species could really take this seriously, then a large fraction of its problems would go, right? But that would be a minor point compared with what it would be opened up. <laughs> mm-hmm. <coughs> right, so... Uh, and perhaps we just should say that uh, for the moment the, the thing has come to an end. Then <laughs> we hope not the final end. <laughs> or perhaps it would, be if we, uh, as you know, we could say, the end of time. Right? <laughs> uh, and I hope you know that we'll be able to go on with this sort of thing again next year. But I think we should now end it because people will have to travel and so on.